Hi, and welcome to The Booby Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And if you want to hear more from the Booby Girls, we are on Patreon. All you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the Booby Girls or hit the link in our bio on Instagram to find out how you can join. And this week we are covering Psycho. Rear, rear, rear. <laughs> That's kind of like it, right? Uh, it's more like a ear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was terrible. That was better. Um, and if you follow us uh, on the weekly, remember last week when I said that Rosha got rid of her dining room table, so we were on like these boxes. She now got rid of her couches, so we're literally, it's probably, if it's a little echoey. That's why. That's why. Apologies. <laughs> um, what are you naming this uh, episode? You're going to laugh at me. Okay. It's called, He's Sweet, But a Psycho. Uh, <laughs> like the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it? also like literally a psycho. Yeah. Literally a psycho. <laughs> Um, all right, so the book was originally published April 10th, 1959, and it's written by Robert Block, or Blotch, not oh, sure. Oh, I've been going with Blotch. Blotch. All right, take your pick. I don't know. <laughs> um, it has a 4.1 out of 5 on Goodreads, and the first edition of the book was a whopping 185 pages. Um, the one that I read was 208 pages. It's a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, the movie came out in 1960, so only the year after the mm-hmm. book was published. Um, it's rated R. It's a mystery thriller horror movie. It's only an hour and 49 minutes long, which is actually kind of long for a movie in the 60s. Really? Yeah, usually those are around about an hour and a half. Oh, okay. So. Well, there's quite a bit that goes on in this movie. Yes. <laughs> um, and it is directed by the fabulous and legendary Alfred Hitchcock. Um, he died in 1980, so... He lived a long, full life. So he wasn't even... I wasn't even born when he died. No, he was born in 1899. What? 1899 is when he was born. Wow. He was 81 years old when he died. Fascinating. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, he was nominated for five Oscars, including Psycho. He um, didn't win one one Oscar. Oh, wow. He was nominated for Psycho, Rear Window, Spellbound, Lifeboat, and Rebecca which I don't really know any of those, but he also did Vertigo and the birds. Mm. So I don't think I've seen any of his other, I've seen the birds. I have a, um, I have seen it, the game. Mm-hmm. And there's like a very like specific scene from that movie yeah. that I always think about when I think of the birds, but yeah. I haven't like seen the full movie. That one's a, that one's a, another of his classic ones that everyone yeah. knows of. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the IMDb synopsis reads, a Phoenix secretary embezzles $40,000 from her employer's client, goes on the run, and checks into a remote, remote motel run by a young man under the domination of his mother. Very misleading. <laughs> well, if you've read the book, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very misleading. <laughs> um, let's let's start with the fact that it's not set in Phoenix, Correct. but we'll get but to I that. But I thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some interesting facts. The book actually has three sequels. Um, Blotch, or Block, mm-hmm. uh, wrote two, two of the sequels. Um, one was named, the second one was Psycho 2, and came out in 1982, and then Psycho House, which came out in 1990. Um, neither was related to any of the film's sequels that came out, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in Psycho 2, the premise is that uh, Norman Bates escapes the asylum and is disguised as a nun and makes his way to Hollywood. That's fascinating. So after I watched this movie and I knew that there was more, yeah. more psycho movies, I'm like, 
I need to watch them. I need to know how he gets out. <laughs> right. Um, and then in Psycho House, um, murders begin again when the Bates Motel is reopened as a tourist attraction, oh, which I feel like that could be very yeah. interesting. Um, and then a fourth installment was uh, written, but not even by the same author. So I won't even mention that That's one. That's interesting, though, that, he, that someone could actually do that. What do you mean? Write that fourth book. Oh, yeah. I guess. I don't know. He must have gotten the rights or something. Um, In November 1957, so two years before Psycho was actually uh, first published, a man by the name of Ed Gein or Gein was arrested in his hometown of Plainfield, Wisconsin, which your family's from Wisconsin, um, for the murders of two women. When police searched his home, they found furniture, silverware, and even clothing made of human skin and body parts. Psychiatrists who examined him theorized that he was trying to make a woman suit um, to wear so he could pretend to be his dead mother whom neighbors described as a puritan who dominated her son so this was even before it was um uh, psycho was released but he was already writing psycho when this was occurring so it was just very like interesting to see that this kind of was parallel to something that was actually happening in real life fascinating you know i love true crime oh yeah for sure i need to know more (laughs) about that (laughs) um so the, the like i said the book was almost completed when um this man gyne was uh committing these murders. Um, so Blotch inserted a line alluding to Gein into one of the final chapters. I didn't go back to read and try mm. to find it, uh, but I just thought that was so fascinating. Like, again, yeah. like the parallels of like, this was actually happening in real life as he was writing the book. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. That's all I have. So the movie has a whopping 96% on wow. Tomatoes. Okay. People love this movie. It's, it's just a classic 1960s horror movie and it's Alfred Hitchcock. People, you know, yeah, just adore him, you know? <laughs> um, it had a budget of only $806,000 um, and it worldwide grossed $32 million, which wow. I was like, that's a lot for the 60s. However, I think that probably has accumulated over the years because you got to uh, think, like, yeah. it's in the movie theaters every probably Christmas, or not Christmas, Christmas, Halloween, all of that stuff. Yeah. So I would assume that it that number just it's keeps growing. Yeah. But it is Hitchcock's um, highest grossing movie of his career. And I think I would say it's probably the one people know most, him for most. Yeah. So I, this is another, this is like a Stephen King type movie. I could do a whole episode just on facts of this movie because <laughs> it's so, like, people just love this movie so much. Um, but it was nominated for four Oscars. It didn't win any. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about this before. Like, horror movies don't usually even get nominated, sure. let alone win them. Um, but it's for best supporting um, role of an actress, uh, cinematography, art direction, and set direction, and directors, like I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, so fascinating we all know about like the music or whatever right Right. so the music is what makes this movie and the scores and um alfred hitchcock originally envisioned the shower scene to be completely silent um but like the guy who was doing the scoring of the movie he just went ahead and scored it anyway and after hitchcock heard it he immediately changed his mind interesting and i was like that's just the iconic scene of this movie that i couldn't imagine it being silent it is but then i think about how we were talking in our episode for Carrie, how that like the mm-hmm. um, pig's blood scene that's true it's completely silent and the amount of like tension that is created when it's a, a silent scene yeah i feel like almost has just as much impact as if yeah. there was music obviously we won't ever get to see that version mm-hmm. um but that would have been interesting to see yeah i, I do think know. the music obviously is iconic so it makes sense but yeah and hitchcock was actually so um pleased with the scoring of this movie that he actually doubled um 
the guy who did it, his mm-hmm. salary, um, he doubled it, which I guess was $34,000, which doesn't sound like a lot, but back then I'm back sure then, it was yeah. a lot more. <laughs> but he thought that 33% of the effect of Psycho was due to the music. <laughs> he's so, like, he's like, good man, here's an extra 34. Here you go, here you go. <laughs> um, so like I said before, the, the budget was only, it was less than a million dollars, which around that time, you know, a million dollars was more of the common, you know, budget for films. Um, but Hitchcock like was really fed up with all the big budget films at that time. And like these just star studded movies and just wanted to kind of get back to like simpler, like almost TV making mm-hmm. type films. Um, and which is one of the reasons why it was black and white because ah. it was cheaper to do black and white. Um, But yeah, so that was like one of the main reasons. And then also, which I don't know if you've heard this, um, because it was black and white, he ended up using chocolate syrup as the blood in in the um, shower scene because it showed up more in the black and white film. Interesting. That's a fun fact that a lot of people know. I love that. I I would be too distracted and like be licking it off of the shower. Um, So the Bates house that was used in this film was moved from its original locations and it actually still resides um, at Universal's lot. Oh, cool. Um, And the hotel has actually been replicated and it's a um, regular stop on the Universal Studios tram tour that's cool which i'm pretty sure i probably saw but didn't i've never been to universal so it's so great it's it's so great to like actually see these and read these now because i feel like it'll make that experience once i do eventually go to universal that much more yes (laughs) i feel like the, the one that i'm missing is like um is jurassic park yeah. Like, I feel like I need to see that before I go. Well, it's a book, so we can do it before you oh, go. Oh, Okay. <laughs> um, speaking of theme parks, though, um, Walt Disney was not happy with this movie. And supposedly, um, he did not let Alfred Hitchcock come to Disneyland in the 60s because he thought this movie was disgusting. That's okay. <laughs> you got to separate the director from the yeah. art. Like, you can't. That's right. not cool. I know. Um, <laughs> I, I just love that Disney yeah. has the power to, like, banish someone. Though. I mean, yeah. I'm sure they do. <laughs> All you gotta do, you just gotta wear, like, some Mickey ears and a hat, right. like, and just sneak in. Yeah, incognito. <laughs> uh, so, like we said, the novel um, came out only a year before the movie came out. And um, Alfred Hitchcock ended up buying the rights to this novel anonymously. Uh, and he only paid $9,000 for the rights, wow. which back then is equal to about $83,000 now. Um, but, which is funny, uh, after he bought the rights to the movie, Hitchcock went around and bought as many copies of the novel as he possibly could because he wanted to keep the ending a secret for people when they saw the movie. That's hilarious. And I was like, that's so great. That's but so But like, poor funny. guy who just trying to write this book. Right, but also like, he got paid. He doesn't care. Right, right. <laughs> and like, he bought all of his books. That's even more that he got paid for. <laughs> Crazy. I love that though. I love that like, he didn't want anyone to like, for it to be ruined for yeah. anyone. Yeah, it sounds that's like funny. he should just written this movie himself well yeah <laughs> but we all know hollywood likes to take books and yeah there's no movies. there's no new ideas in hollywood no. unfortunately so the cast of the movie um there's only four characters really to talk about yeah. it's, a, it's a very small cast but obviously we're going to start with norman bates played by anthony perkins he died at the age of 60 he died in 1992 um by from pneumonia as complication to AIDS, oh, which wow. I thought was interesting because you just, you don't really hear that anymore. Sure. Um, but he, I mean, he had a wife and kids mm-hmm. and so, but I thought that was very interesting. That is interesting. Um, he, he did star obviously in psycho one, but he is in two, three and four. Oh, so he was in all okay. of the psycho movies. Um, it's funny if you look at 
some of the movie posters for the older ones, I'm like, you did not age very well. And I don't know if it was because of this movie that you kind of just turned into that character sure. so much, but I thought it was interesting. Um, he did play in the original um, adaptation of Murder on Orient Express. Okay. He played uh, McQueen. Okay. In 1974. Um, and then he also has an Oscar nomination for his supporting role in Friendly Persuasion, which I've never heard of. Um, he, he did say in one interview that, um, you know, obviously by being casted as Norman Bates, he was typecasted for the rest of I his career, right? I was actually just going to ask that. Um, but he did say that he would never take it back and he would take this character all over again, that he didn't care. It's interesting that you bring that up because I was going to ask that because, you know, I watched also the... Um the series that they made mm-hmm. um, not too long ago. And every time I forget his, the guy's name, the actor's name, but every time I see him otherwise, mm-hmm. I can't unsee Norman Bates. Like yeah. he will forever be Norman Bates to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure people probably looked at him and thought yeah. the same thing, which I mean, you almost want to be known for a better movie, but yeah. I guess still it's an iconic movie. So it either is. way, I would, I would well take known. it. <laughs> um, so, but Anthony Perkins, like visually, physically, I mean, at least in this one, he's a, Kind of a good-looking guy, good looking right? Guy. Yeah. And he's tall, he's thin, which is not how he's predicted in the novel, or not predicted. Portrayed. Portrayed, <laughs> sorry, portrayed in the book. Yeah. He's, like, overweight, yep. not attractive yep. in the book. So um, I think Hitchcock definitely wanted, like, that weird, like, should I like this guy? Should I not? Like, we've right. talked about this a lot more um, in other movies, but, yeah. I do think he he accomplished that because, and, then, like, this is all, you know, stereotypical mm-hmm. BS, but, like, the fact that, you know, Mary or Marianne's character, like, takes mm-hmm. a liking to him or, like, talks to him or whatever, she still has that, obviously, in the book, but I think it's coming from a different angle. It's more yeah. of a kind of, like, this guy seems lonely, where in the movie you can almost see possibly mm-hmm. some sort of, like, sexual tension there, yeah. at least initially, until she realizes, oh, this guy's a little a bit a of little an oddball. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm wondering, like, is this one of the first movies where you see a good-looking killer? You know, because well, and I mean, then you start. But then you think in, about people like Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was well, yeah. attractive. That's so, what like, I'm saying. It's definitely a possibility. I mean, yeah. we've saw we said this the other day. I think like crazy people or like scary people can be any type of mm-hmm. person. They don't necessarily have to fit a specific right. mold. But Anthony Perkins will ever go down in history as Norman Bates, yes. and he did a phenomenal job. It creeped me out the whole time. <laughs> Uh, so next character is Mary slash Marion um, Crane, mm-hmm. played by Janet Lee. Um, she has a very famous daughter that oh. I did not know about, but Mama Crest pulled that out of her Rolodex uh-huh. somehow. Do you want to take a guess at who her daughter is? Does she have the same last name? She does not have the same last name, but I'll give you, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Her daughter is the star of another iconic horror series. 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 Oh, wow. I'm... How old would she be? (laughs) Or how, like... She's not alive still, is she? Janet Lee is not alive. She died when she was 77. In in what year? Do you know? I don't know what year she would die in. Okay. I'm just going to take a wild guess just because I love her. I'm just going to guess Jessica Lange. No. No. (laughs) I was like, she's probably too old, but... Uh, She is the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis. What? Wild, right? So... Wow. I had no idea. I would have never guessed 
When but, you said series, I thought like mm-hmm. TV series, not mm-hmm. movie Sorry, series. movie series. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, so we all know is that Jamie Lee Curtis is the star of the Halloween movies. Yes. I just went and saw the new Halloween movie yes. on Friday. Um, <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, crazy. Idea. So Janet, How did Mama Chris know that? I don't know. She knows all, man. The more you know. I know. So uh, Janet Lee, like I said, she was nominated for her, a supporting role in this film. Um, she was also in Bye Bye Birdie, the original um, fog, The Fog movie. And she also had a role in Halloween H2O with her daughter, oh, um, cool. Jamie. And it's funny because I read this little bit about, because she's in Halloween H2O, which started in 1998. And Janet in that movie actually drives a 1950s car similar to the one that Marion Crane drove in Psycho, um, which then kind of revealed the part of like the Psycho theme in the Halloween mm-hmm. movies. Um, and the director was so inspired by Hall- or by Psycho to create Halloween that he wanted to put that in as like a nod. Cool. Plus, he then had Jamie Lee Curtis was starring in that right, movie. Right. So kind of a little full full circle moment. I love that. So that's cool. But I loved her. I wish she was in it more. I mean, in the in the book. She's in it about as much too. So. Yeah. Well, okay. And I'm pretty sure she's blonde in the movie, even though it's a black and white movie, yeah. right? Yeah. She's supposed to be brunette though. Yeah. Cause I think in the book they mentioned that her sister who mm-hmm. is also in the, obviously in the yes. movie too, Lila has like lighter hair and mm-hmm. it's like skinnier and prettier and yeah. all that. So I thought that was interesting because for me, she was gorgeous in this movie and it just didn't fit necessarily yeah. what I pictured from the book. I have a note a little bit later here that I think, We'll circle back okay. to that in a second. So let's talk about Sam Loomis. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sam Loomis. <laughs> Pl- played by John Gavin. I was like, hello, J- Sam, right? Samuel. Samuel. Um, yeah, played by John Gavin. His birth name is actually Juan Vincent Appleblossa Jr. Oh, okay. um, he actually just died in, ni- in 2018. Oh, wow. So full, long life. He ended up stopping acting in 1981 um, after he played Julius Caesar in Spartacus um, because I think at that point he became um, a diplomat um, of Ronald Reagan as the first ambassador of Mexico. Wow. Which is crazy. So such an interesting like transition. But he does kind of look like a politician, you know, like he's (laughs) just got those like charming good looks. Sure. He could have been a Kennedy. (laughs) Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock supposedly did not like him in this role. Oh. Um, that he thought he he referred to him as stiff, <laughs> which he's a little stiff. But. I mean, but the character in the book is kind of stiff too. I yeah, mean, wh- from what we get of him, because yeah. it's not a lot. Yeah, um, but yeah, give me John Gavin in any movie, I'm good with it. <laughs> he was so good looking. <laughs> I'll have to uh, research what else he's been in. <laughs> he wasn't. He was Julius Caesar in Spartacus. Definitely have not seen that. <laughs> Um, and then lastly, uh, Lila Crane is played by Vera Miles. Um, she's alive and well at the ripe age of 92 years old. Wow, good for her. Um, so I didn't really recognize anything else she was in movie-wise, except for Psycho 2, mm-hmm. where she plays Lila Crane Loomis. Oh. So plot twist, evidently her and Sam get together in Psycho 2. In, at least in the movie. We're not at sure about the At least in the movie. Yeah. Um, which I was like. Fascinating. Which I, th- I saw it a little bit in, the, in the film. That. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, they spend so much time together towards the end of the book yeah. and movie. It's like, it's inevitable. I need to find <laughs> these other movies now. Well, and I think they mention in the book how similar the girls look. Mm-hmm. So he's probably like, well, I couldn't get married. So yeah. I might as well get Lila. <laughs> um, but Vera Miles, man. 92 years old, 
has been married four times. Good for her. Her last divorce was in 1975. So she's been single for the last 50 years. That's incredible. Um, but she has four children um, with three men and she seems just content. She reminds me of the character in the book, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn mm-hmm. Hugo, um, <laughs> who has seven yeah. husbands, as you can tell uh, from the title. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, she's clearly thriving. Yeah. So good for her. Yeah. And I thought she did a good job in this movie. So she ended up doing more... Um, TV series. And so what I want to talk about, so there's a thing called the quote unquote Hitchcock blonde. Mm. um, And that she kind of got pegged as that, as the unaffectionate icy Hitchcock blonde, which it sounds like a lot of Hitchcock films had these, you know, blonde bombshells, which I think is why probably, um, Marion was casted the way she was. Interesting. So he had a type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, Vera went on to play in the Alfred Hitchcock Hour, The Twilight Zone, The Outer Limits, The Fugitive, My Three Sons, Bonanza, Columbo, wow. Murder, She Wrote, all those type of like blonde yeah. mystery thriller type stuff. So what you're saying is if Alfred Hitchcock was making movies today, you he would, would not make the cut. <laughs> That's not where I was going with that. But I was going to say he probably would have picked someone like a Margot Robbie. Like my girlfriend, Margot Robbie. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Which Absolutely. I could totally see in this yes. role if they ever did a remake. Yes. Hint, hint. Hollywood. <laughs> yes. Those are all the characters. Lovely. All right. Time for who said it. I think these are going to be pretty simple, but we'll go Who knows? All right. Your first one is. You're a grown man. You certainly must realize that you can't be expected to act like a little boy all the rest of your life. Mary. Marion. (laughs) Marion. Next one. I think perhaps all of us go a little crazy at times. Mm, That would be um, Norman. Yes. Uh, Next one. Yes, Norman. I suppose you're right. That's where I'd probably be. But I wouldn't be there alone. Sam? Sam? Mm, no mother mm. which oh, trick question trick question <laughs> last one i can't even hate bates for what he did he must have suffered more than any of us sam mm, lila <laughs> dang it see not as easy <laughs> not as easy all right your options for f mary kill obviously are norman mary and we throw a curveball by bringing in mr arbogast you're not gonna give me sam no that's too easy <sighs> Mr. Arbogast. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, okay, well, you gotta kill Norman. Like, you can't keep Norman around. Like, no way. I don't know, he's pretty, um, he's pretty crafty. No way. <laughs> um, oh. Actually, you know what? I take that back. Really? Yeah. Oh. I'm going to uh, kill Arbogast because he just, come on, man. Okay. Like, get it together. <laughs> um, I will marry Marianne. Okay. Um, because she seems like she's willing to do whatever it takes to make it work. True. She will steal $40,000. All for her soon to be fiance, really. Like it wasn't even Mm -hmm. like mostly for her. It was for her fiance. Yeah. Um, and I will check into the hotel with Norman just for a night though. Then I'm out. Yeah. If I make it through that night. Also like, no, maybe like during the day. Yeah. In public. (laughs) With all the lights on and like, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Even with that, I I still got to kill Norman. I can't. Yeah. I'll I'll check in with Arbogast and hopefully he'll, you know, know his way around the hotel. (laughs) Or motel, I should say. All right. So let's get into the movie. Uh, opens completely different than the book. Yeah. So the movie opens, it starts with Marion. I, do you want to start how the book how the book starts? The book really starts with like a sequence of conversation between Norman and his mom. We really mm-hmm. like learn that they're not 
a good they don't have a good relationship they have right. a very codependent relationship very much he's a mama's boy and she fully takes advantage of that relationship mm-hmm. and has basically been controlling him his entire life so that's kind of how the book starts well and the movie starts about 10 minutes after you watch opening credits for <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes it took forever i was like when are we getting to this movie i, I was like, normally i like start like getting my notes ready yeah. as i'm waiting for the movie to start and i actually had the full time to be able to fully prepare <laughs> myself know. the credits were still rolling so. very long i mean it's fine um but when it finally starts, we see that they are in Phoenix, Arizona, which yeah. is where we are basically, you know, Correct. stationed. Um, and it's December 11th and it's, it's 2.43 PM, right. which makes no difference at all in this entire movie. I don't know, but I love when they do that. Cause you, they make you think that those things are important. They were not important. <laughs> they were at not all. important at all. Um, but yeah, the book does not take place in Phoenix. No, the book, um, well, they're originally from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I don't even, do you know where they were headed? Cause it was definitely not Los Angeles or where she was headed. Oh, she, well, cause it never actually says where Sam is. Right. So in the book we're read to, we're Fairvale. Led, yeah. Cause the city, but I don't know where Fairvale yeah, is. Yeah. So in the book we're led to believe that Sam, Sam is in California yeah. or sorry in the movie that right. Sam's in California in the book we're almost led to believe that it's in like Kansas Missouri yeah. somewhere they in the like Midwest pass, okay oh, Oklahoma City at some point but yeah. they start in Texas yeah she's headed in two different directions in the book and the movie <laughs> yes <laughs> but anyways the movie opens with Sam and Marion um I guess I think we said it before her name is Mary in the book yes. and Marion is in the movie. Which I guess that could, Mary could be short for Marion. Sure. Um, but they're having a little hanky panky during lunch hour in a cheap <laughs> hotel, which is funny. The skyline of downtown Phoenix was real and there's a hotel right there. I didn't even notice. You didn't? <laughs> no. It looked cool. It was like Phoenix in the 60s. I wonder, well, I've seen pictures of, of it. I wonder if it's that one hotel that the It's down- the one with the giant yeah, like uh-huh. thing on top yep, of it. Yep, yeah, yep. that was it. The. It's supposedly haunted. The Valley House? No, that's not right. No, I don't know what it's called. But it's supposedly haunted, whatever it is. Um, But they're having... What kind of... you? They kind of make it seem like it's a secret affair. But it's not really a secret affair. For the most part. Like, um, in the movie... We don't really, we find out, when the movie find out that Sam doesn't actually live in Phoenix, like he's there visiting her. um, And that she really like, she's like, this is the last time. Like she wants more, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. We don't get much about their, like how they got together. We get none of that We don't even really get the scene. We most, more so just get Mary's like thought process as she's trying to kind of figure out her situation with Sam, which is like basically he's got some debts that he needs to pay off and she like, she wants to be with him and he's like, I need to get to a better place before I can commit right. to you. That's really all we get in the in the book. Well, and in the book though, we find out where they actually met though. I forget. They met on a cruise. Oh yeah. <laughs> they met on a cruise for like a week and decided they wanted to get married. That's right. That's right. We don't get to find, we don't find that out. And in the movie, they talk about how, He's that Sam is in all this debt and he's because he's paying alimony Mm -hmm. like he's getting divorced in the book. His debt comes from like his dad or something like his dad is he had a bad business deal or something that went wrong and he's basically paying his dad's debts because they're keeping or they're trying to keep this hardware store or whatever yeah. is, is that he works at or whatever. So basically he has to, everything that he's working towards is going through the, to the, towards this debt yeah. and he's inching away at it, but it's like taking a while. And I actually kind of appreciated it in the movie because 
the backstory of these two, it doesn't matter. Right. There's no, it has nothing to do with the movie. Right. Really. And the storyline, it doesn't, it, it's it not doesn't, necessary. No. We then see like after their little romp during lunch hour, uh, Marion goes back to work and she works at like a real estate office. Yeah. I guess what it's called. And um, we find out her sister calls, say that she's going to be in Tucson for the weekend. And then this like really atrocious, awful, um, <laughs> Man walks in and he's going to buy a house for $40,000 cash. And as a, as a present, a wedding present to her, his daughter. Yes. Like, That's cool. um, also, the, houses were 40K. I wish. I <laughs> wish. Um, I did look it up. So, the equivalent of 40000 I did a lot of this equivalent mm-hmm. stuff. So, uh, $40,000 in 1960s equivalent now to about $370,000. So, which is about. Not in this day and age. Not in I Phoenix, mean, Arizona. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but you can still buy some sort of house for sure. 370, I guess. Sure. Um, but Marion is supposed to be taking that money because um, usually people don't pay in cash or whatever. But this guy's a dirtbag. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he's like even more of a dirtbag. Yeah, than he like he is. full blown like hits on her, tries to like touch her. And she's just like, she's like, she has, she can't do anything because yeah. she has to be, you know, professional. But the whole time she's just like cringing. I love in the movie how they have her coworker who's like this mousy, dowdy coworker. Yeah. She's like, he didn't hit on me because I'm sure he's on my wedding ring. Like, <laughs> That's what it was. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, she's supposed to be taking this money to the bank. Uh, to deposit it because they don't want to keep that much cash there. So she actually says, you know, I have a really bad headache. I'm going to take this money to the bank and then I'm going to go home. Well, she doesn't go home. Well, she does go she home. Does go she home. doesn't, she she doesn't, doesn't go, go to the bank. bank. <laughs> she doesn't go to the bank. Um, she ends up going home and starts packing her bag to leave because she's going to take this money and get the heck out of here. Can I just say that it, like there, there's like multiple times where they keep panning to this envelope that's on her bed. And I'm like, yeah. I get it. She's struggling with whether or not to keep it. Right. We don't need to keep belaboring exactly. the point. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so she she has this $40,000 in cash. And so she packs up her bag and she gets into her car to leave. And then, of course, while she's like stopped at a stoplight, her boss walks by. <laughs> Which does not happen in the book. No, it's just like this little added, like, he knows what he is going to figure it out what right. happens in a little bit. Um, so she's on the run, basically. And I can never live this paranoid lifestyle. It's just Absolutely not for not. me. It is not for me. And I'm currently watching um, the new season of You. Oh, yeah. I already started and finished. And it gives me so much anxiety. Just like yeah. the paranoia of like trying to cover something up. I could never do it. Well, I'm naturally a paranoid person as it is. <laughs> yeah. So add that, add to that like the a feeling crime. of like, yeah, a crime or feel of getting like caught for something. Yeah. It would not be a good I mean, I have Catholic guilt, but this is a whole nother <laughs> level. You know what I mean? So anyway, so she's on the run. She ends up pulling over to sleep. Cause she gets tired and while she's sleeping, a, a cop comes up, knocks on the window and is like, what are you doing? He checks her ID, but then ultimately lets her go. Right. Which does not happen in the book. No. She and- keeps cruising on by. <laughs> well, and so now here we see that she's headed towards Bakersfield, which we know, you know, is in California. So at this point we know that she's headed in a completely different direction than she is in the book. Correct. <laughs> Two different coastlines. Different starting point, different ending point. Yes. <laughs> Um, but she sees that the cop is still following her. Um, and he kind of veers off to one side. So then she goes and pulls off a different exit. Um, and then she ends up driving to a car dealership mm-hmm. and she's going to buy a new car. She ends up, the cop is actually then pulls up and like is staring at her from across the street creepily. Which I'm like, if you exited earlier, how did you then find right. her again? 
Right. Did you just exit and get back? Must on? be a small town, <laughs> wherever they are. Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix. <laughs> um, but maybe like outside of Phoenix. I don't know. Maybe like Paige or something. Who knows? Uh, but so she's at the car dealership. She ends up trading in the car that she has plus seven hundred dollars on top of that, which. I know you wanted to know $700 in 1960 is equivalent to $6,500 now. So. Okay. I don't know if her car was necessarily a, a no. used car, like an old car necessarily. No. So I don't know if that was. It should have been a she, fair swap. I she, feel like. Yeah. She probably got duped there, but obviously she had more, uh, she had bigger fish to fry yes. at that point. Yes. So as she's like getting ready to leave, the cop pulls in and, you know, Marion comes out to get her new car and she almost loses, leaves her suitcases. Which I'm like, you are good. not good on the run, my friend. <laughs> um, but she ends up she ends up pulling away and like the cop just kind of like stands there. Yeah. He doesn't do anything. I was like, you are a terrible cop. A terrible cop. Well, and like, I'm sorry, but like she is suspicious to the max. Oh, so the yeah. fact that you didn't stop her or question her further is like, what are you doing? White privilege. Pretty white pretty white privilege. One hundred percent. Um, it's important to note that in the book, she is a little bit smarter in this case. She actually like changes her car a couple of times yeah. throughout her trip because, you know, even though she doesn't even run into a cop, she's like, Hey, let me just keep switching so nobody, you know, can I don't feel me. like it was necessary to switched that many times but in the book or in the movie in the book like well, three times seems like a lot listen if you're doing this the right that's way true. you you definitely want to do that that's i feel true. like that's some like um breaking bad situation yeah you know um, cover your tracks but so as she's driving off now we we're getting these like voiceovers um of like the cop wanting to see the papers that she bought then we get a voiceover of her boss talking to people about her being missing mm. and the money missing, which I thought was kind of cool in a way where we didn't have to get that full scene True. of like the boss talking to the sister. The, the and... problem with this scene is that the whole time I'm laughing because of like her face, because like she keeps getting like flashes of like headlights and like all this stuff. Yeah. And she's just like, I can't do it obviously over the microphone, but like she just has this like weird look on her face and I was cracking up the That's entire time. That's how you drive. <laughs> That's not. That's the face you make when you drive. That's not true. (laughs) You don't know that. I put my glasses on so I can see better. (laughs) Uh, So, but it starts storming. You know, like every good horror movie has to start storming. Obviously, even though it literally never rains in Arizona. (laughs) True. That is not true. We get monsoons every year. Okay. Anyways, Uh, and so she ends up pulling over. To the Bates Motel, which is just so funny because it's so like iconic now because it's like, you know, you'll see like a rundown motel on the side of the road and you're like oh that looks like the Bates Motel like like it's just something people say now yeah, you know no, that's it's just for so sure. funny well it's interesting because in the movie the light is very much on mm-hmm. at the hotel but in yeah. the book it's not like she had to like squint to see that thing yeah and she came to a fork in the road in the book where she had to decide mm-hmm. which way she was gonna go and she chose you know that's the, karma the coming way. right back at you my <laughs> yeah. friend um but she gets there there's no one at the front desk but she does see this like creepy house up on the hill and from what she can tell that there's a woman inside so rudely she starts honking the horn i'm like i mean that's one way to get attention i mean sure i guess i just couldn't imagine just honking my horn you know waiting for someone to come in just wait on me i don't know but a man comes out of the house to a sister and um he (laughs) which lo and behold is norman bates and he tells her you know there's 12 rooms, 12 vacancies. No one stopped here for a very long time. I wonder why. Yeah. So he checks her into room one and he like awkwardly shows her around the room. He introduces himself as Norman Bates, which I'm like, 
I mean, she doesn't she know. She doesn't know. I know, but it's just like, it's one of them, like, lady, it's Norman Bates. Get out of there. Uh, but you've actually watched the... The series? The series. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just called Bates Motel, right? Bates but it's Motel. about when he's younger? It's not really. I mean, it it's a lot of lead up mm-hmm. to the Mary situation, but it's so much more than the Mary situation. Would you so, recommend it? Yes. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought what is it, was it on? Really it's not like FX or something? Now it's probably on Netflix because it's it's been a few years since it, it, it ended. I might have to give it a I like give it. it a goog. And the, the reason I watched the Psycho for the very mm-hmm. first time was because I wanted to watch the series. And I was mm-hmm. like, I probably should watch the classic before mm-hmm. I do the series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think I thought it was really, really good. I might so. have to watch that. Yeah. Um, he ends up inviting her up to the house for dinner. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is weird. Get out of here. <laughs> so our very first impression of Norman in the movie is that he's kind of like this kind of shy, kind of nerdy, but nice guy. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's the impression we get, the first impression we get of him in the book. He, oh, really? No. Like, I don't think he's not likable in the book at all. Uh He's like an alcoholic. And well, like, she doesn't know, know he's an alcoholic. We get that impression. Yes, definitely. But I think, the, I personally think the interaction between them in the book was a little bit more tame until mm-hmm. they get to the house. Like this initial yeah. reaction of, or interaction of like, here's your room key and da 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 da. Like to me felt, because probably because I couldn't visualize it, but yeah. like watching the movie, you can clearly see what a creep yeah. he is. So it adds to it. Yeah. Um, but I do agree that like, because we get his inner thoughts in the book, mm-hmm. he's definitely, he comes off as much more creepy because yeah. of what we know. Um, something to note, he does give her room one in the movie in the book he gives her room six Mm -hmm. which is still the closest to the to the office it's just different numbers because it goes which the movie makes a lot more sense yeah first is the closest to the office and then it goes to 10 i think yeah but in the book it goes one to six from furthest to closest that's weird weird (laughs) Uh, so she's in her room now and she ends up hiding um the money inside of a newspaper Mm -hmm. which i thought was a good idea i wouldn't leave it on the on the dresser like she does but sure if there was housekeeping though they'd be throwing that stuff away like pronto yeah, no especially if it's, if it's an old i think she realized it was quickly that there was no uh <laughs> no maids coming to clean no here maids. um in the book she leaves the money in the car she does not mm-hmm. even bring it into the room with her which also not a good idea <laughs> well you know her thought is well i have the keys to this car I guess. no one else does yeah so so while she's in her room she can hear a woman yelling from the house upstairs and basically about having, you know, this woman over for dinner. And we're led to believe that this is his mom up there Mm -hmm. telling him basically that this woman is not coming over for dinner. Right. Like no way. Not allowed. So since this woman does not want to bring her up there for dinner, Norman ends up bringing dinner to her. And it's like this, it's like bread basically. Yeah. (laughs) Like it was like a poor man's charcuterie board. Yeah. And he ends up, uh, Inviting her to like come to like the back room to eat the parlor. His parlor. And I was like, oh, that's so creepy. <laughs> and and lo and behold, we find out that um his you know pastime is you know taxidermy. I would have ran for the hills right at that Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Nothing about that to me sounds like that's an inviting type of person. And then tells her that she eats like a bird. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so these birds that you've killed and taxidermied, um, you're also now telling me that I remind you of. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Get me out of there. Abort now. mission. Abort mission. So he also like creepily says at this point, like, 
a boy's best friend is his mother. Yeah, that was a I'm little like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And but he starts to have this kind of somewhat honest conversation with Marion about basically how, you know, he wishes he could leave his mother, but she's ill and his father died and left them some money. And that's how they built the hotel. And then she met this other guy who talked her into building this the hotel with the money. But then he died in a very bad way. And then Marion just, you know, like anybody said, like, well, why don't you like put her someplace? Right. <laughs> like an old folks home or something. And Norman is not okay with that answer. He's like, absolutely not. My mother will <laughs> not be going somewhere. Yeah. And is just so flabbergasted by it. In the book, he gets like way mm. more intense with her, like basically starts yelling at her. Like, how dare you even suggest yeah. this? Also important to mention, she actually does make it to the house in the book. Yeah. They have this conversation in the kitchen of the house. So she does get to the house yeah. in the book. Which, <laughs> not the parlor. <laughs> no, not the parlor. But the taxidermy is still alive and well. well yeah. Dead and well in the house. <laughs> dead and well. Um, so... In the in the movie, we kind of now get this, you know, we don't get as much of like the inner dialogue as you do in the book, but like you kind of start seeing her like looking at Norman, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to end up like this guy." Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of like a hermit, like doesn't you know, like she doesn't want to be like that. So right. she's so she has now decided that she's actually going to go home to Phoenix and take the money back and get herself out of this trap that she put herself mm-hmm. in, which she also does decide mm-hmm. in the book. Back to Texas. Back to Texas. (laughs) Um, But so at this point, when she walks out of the room, he asks her, you know, what is your name? Or they introduce themselves or she finally says her name. And she says that her name is Miss Crane. Well, he goes back to look at the book that in the sign in book and sees that she signed her name Marie Samuels. Mm hmm. So he knows that there's something up with her and that she's obviously not a good person. In the book, um, her name is Jane Wilson. Not sure why they (laughs) chose to change that, but so uh, Norman is still in the parlor and we then see him looking through this giant peephole in the room. (laughs) I was like, there's no way that you don't see that peephole. Right. From the other side. There's no way. But anyways, Marion starts budgeting her money, her stolen money of like what she spent, what she can spend. That's me every single day. And she ends up like ripping it off and taking it into the bathroom with her. um, And she gets into the shower. She flushes the paper down the toilet. That's important. Or most of it. (laughs) And then she gets into the shower. And here's the iconic psycho shower scene. She gets into the shower and all of a sudden someone comes into the bathroom and just starts stabbing her and it's mother in the shower, killing her with the knife. Calm down clue. (laughs) It was the mother in the parlor with the knife. Um, But then she like tries to get out and she like collapses and hits her head. And if you didn't know, like she almost looks like she's not dead. Like I'm like, wake up. I mean, I mean, yeah, but she is dead. Uh, in the book, it's a little bit more gruesome than this. Yeah, doesn't she like chop her head off? Yeah, yeah. yeah she she completely he decapitates yeah. her. <laughs> she, 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 yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> Marion's head is no longer. Mary's head's no longer. I don't know where we are. Who is who anymore? Her head is no longer attached to her body. That's all you need to know. <laughs> the cap was detained, so I was okay. <laughs> I was that was from the office. Oh, never seen that. Um, anyways. <laughs> So I was okay with that not being in the movie. Yeah, I think that was probably a smart decision on the director's part. Yeah, so 
we now see mother like leaving and going back up to the house. And then we hear Norman from the house start yelling, mother. Oh God, mother, the blood mother. I'm like, oh. That was good. Was that good? Yeah, it was good. I don't know. Do you think Hitchcock would hire me? Well, you're not a bombshell blonde. So that's I true. That's okay. <laughs> um, so anyways, he runs back down to check on Marion and he then just basically walks out and is like, shoot. <laughs> Let me go get my cleaning supplies. <laughs> Not again, mother. You know what I mean? It was very matter of fact. Um, it he, was. I feel like you, you got a lot more of like the turmoil in the book. <laughs> like he, I, clearly this has happened before, even mm-hmm. in the book. But like he still like struggles with it, even yeah. though it's happened before. <laughs> yeah. And so he moves the body. He cleans up the bathroom. He puts her in the trunk of her car. Um, he finishes cleaning up her things and he throws it all in the trunk with her, including the newspaper with all of the money, throws it in the trunk. So he doesn't even know that that money was even there. Can we just talk about the fact that um, movie Norman is not as smart? Um, no. He does not. In the book, he puts on gloves, which I'm like, rule number one yeah. of cleaning up any crime scene, put on gloves. Yeah. <laughs> like. And get some bleach. <laughs> right. And get some bleach. Um, and then in the book. There is no newspaper because, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, there's the money's in the car. But he does notice a earring that happens to be like on the ground. Mm-hmm. That's like the one piece that he like almost forgets. He assumes that the other earring is still on Mary's ear, so he doesn't think twice about it. Yeah. So the only thing I could think at this point, I'm like, dang, those trunks are huge back then, <laughs> like huge chunks. I don't know. I had a pretty huge trunk in my last car. It was very deep. Yeah, that's true. But these trucks are massive. Anyways, <laughs> he drives the car to the swamp slash pond slash mud thing and sinks the car in the mud eventually. <laughs> it slowly sinks. That was so great. It was such a great cinematic moment yeah. where he just like sits there for a second. You just look at the pure terror on his yeah. face. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was reading a couple articles and, and I think this is true. Um, people feel like in the movie, Hitchcock very much makes you makes you think and that mother is a living, breathing person throughout this, for most of this movie. Okay. Do you feel like in the book that it was pretty apparent what was going on? No. You didn't feel that way? Only because I've seen the movie. Yeah, because everyone feels that Hitchcock had that more, he placed that doubt more than the book did. I can't, I can't fully say that knowing how I know, like knowing that I watched the movie first. Uh, and I'll talk about this at the end, but I personally, like if I was reading this book for the very first time, having never known anything yeah. about this, this story, I wouldn't have assumed yeah. that she wasn't real. Definitely. It's like this weird debate. I do it. think he does a good job of visualizing it mm-hmm. and really making you think that because of, he has the luxury of being able yeah. to do that. You can't really yeah. visualize things in a book. That's why a lot of mystery books if you already know what the plot line is, yeah, yeah. you're going to figure it out immediately. <laughs> but I, I personally don't think that yeah. it was as evident in the book. So Marion's gone. It's the last we see the, of Marion, the leading lady. Bye-bye, <laughs> Marion. Bye-bye. Uh, but we now see Sam is at the hardware store. Sam, her boyfriend, fiance, whatever. And he's writing, I guess, a letter to Marion because they, you know, got into a fight. Mm-hmm. So... That's what you did back then. You hand wrote them a letter. And it arrived a week later. Yeah. And Marion's sister shows up um, looking looking for her sister. 
and thinking that she's probably with Sam and that it was possibly that Sam and her planned this stealing of the money together. Mm -hmm. So not only like they don't fully off the bat think that Sam did something to her, but just that he was in cahoots with her. Right. Which I was like, Sam is good looking, but I don't think he had anything to do with this. (laughs) Because he wasn't smart enough. Is that I what just you're feel insinuating? he's like he's just a nice guy, mm, okay. decent man <laughs> who ends up marrying his dead fiance's sister. <laughs> anyway, so then a random PI shows up um, that I guess is what paid for by the by the company that yeah. she worked for that Marion worked so for. He shows up. They, so, they're looking for the money. <laughs> yeah, and he starts questioning them both. He t- he's the one that ends up telling Sam about the money because yeah. at this point Sam has no idea that she even stole any money. Right. So. The PI starts checking all the different hotels around the area because he's like, she's got to be around here somewhere. And he pulls up to the Bates Motel. And Norman is sitting there eating candy corn like a freaking psychopath. You know? I hate candy corn. I mean, I like candy corn, but now this makes me second-guess candy corn. Good. You should have always second-guessed candy corn. <laughs> Not the a good candy. The only acceptable time to eat candy corn is never during Halloween. <laughs> if you're eating candy corn in March, psychopath. Forever. <laughs> So Norman tells him, you know, that there's, there hasn't been anyone here for weeks. Like he, and he's like, you know, I can't even tell you the last time I saw somebody. And he ends up asking to like, see the PIS to see like the sign in sheet. And he notices Marie Samuel's handwriting. And he's like, well, this was her. Like he was there. Like she Mm -hmm. was here. And he's like, Oh, that woman. I guess I didn't see her correct. Like, okay. Yeah. So he admits that she was there. He said she came and she left really early and that's about all he knows. Right. Um, the PI is not having it at all and wants to check all of the rooms. I mean, the look at Norman is just like naturally suspicious just by looking at him. Right. Like he could be telling the absolute truth and you'd still think he was Absolutely. <laughs> so the PI then like looks up at the house and he sees a woman in the window. And he thinks that it might actually be Marion hiding up there, that mm-hmm. that might be where she's hiding out. And so he tells Norman, he's like, I want to meet your mother. Um, but at this point, Norman's like, you need to leave. <laughs> Please leave. <laughs> he's like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So the PI goes to a phone booth, calls Marion's sister to tell him like what he found at the Bates Motel. And he says, I'm going to go back like an idiot. Right. Like, come on, dude. Like, at least call for some sort of backup. He goes back to the hotel or no, he goes, he goes back to the hotel, but he actually walks up to the house and goes into the house. I'm like, oh my, like, come on. The problem I have with this in the book is that when, he, when, when Arbogast goes to the hotel or the motel, there's mm-hmm. actually another couple that is like previously yeah. checked in there. Yeah. So like, that doesn't add up to me. How does this couple not realize or like hear anything or yeah. like suspect anything like i appreciated hitchcock removing that couple because it really <laughs> yeah. makes it a lot easier to commit yeah. these crimes when there's right. no one else there <laughs> so just had to point that yeah. out <laughs> i mean so he goes up to the house um and he's walking up these creepy stairs and then mother comes screaming across the room and stabs him and he falls down the stairs and he dies uh, poor arbogast <laughs> Bye-bye, Arborgast. So Marion's sister and Sam are now waiting for the PI to come back. Because he's like, I'm going to go. I'll be right back. Yeah. Famous last Less than an hour. Yes. Um, And she wants to go find him. And Sam is like, you stay here. I will go to the hotel. Like the knight in shining armor he is. 
Is this the Sam fan club? Yeah. I wasn't aware of it. It really is. Okay. It really is. Um, and at this point, I was like, oh, Sam's going to die. <laughs> Sam is dead. But he didn't. Anyways, uh, Norman's back at the swamp because he has to, you know, sink the PI now. Yep. And while he's out in the swamp, Sam shows up and he starts yelling for the PI. And he's like, Arbogast, Arbogast. <laughs> Arbogast can't hear you through all the mud. <sighs> so Sam comes back. To the hardware store. And he's like, I didn't find anyone. No one was there. He didn't do a very good job of looking. I'm no, he's like, that. look, no one was there. He was probably um, like, oh my God, this is actually really scary. I yeah, he's go like, back. I gotta go. I'll tell her I went. <laughs> and, but he did see the old woman up in the window um, who, you know, couldn't answer. He's like, I went up and knocked, supposedly. Right. And she wouldn't answer the door. So they go over to the sheriff's house and they tell him, they tell them about, you know, Norman Bates in the hotel and how, you know, his mother's there and she won't answer the door. And like, at that point, the sheriff and his wife kind of make a face at each other. Like, what are they talking about type thing? So they end up telling, or so the sheriff thinks that the PI probably just took off to go find Marion and the money alone. He's like, he probably figured out where she was and went to like, you know, just deal with him himself. And didn't even bother to tell you. <laughs> right. I'm like, okay, Sheriff. And, but they get, they convince him to call Norma, the Bates household and, and to try to figure out if they know where the PI was. Norman answers, says that, um, the guy never came back, that he left and he never came back. So after they get off the phone with Norman, the Sheriff decides to drop the bombshell on <laughs> poor Marion's sister and Sam to come to find out that Norman's mom has been dead for 10 years. What? What? <laughs> and that it was a murder suicide and that she had found out that her boyfriend was actually married. So she poisoned them both. Fascinating. Dun, dun, dun. Or so we think. Or so we think. So now we see Norman at the house and he's quote unquote talking to his mother about hiding her in the fruit cellar. Mm-hmm, He's mm-hmm. like, you need to go hide in the fruit cellar. And he, we actually see him carrying somebody down the stairs. This is, this I could see the whole Hitchcock being able to show or mislead the yes. viewer into thinking she was real. Yeah. So Sam and Marion are like, all right, this is ridiculous. We're going back to the Bates Motel, but we have an idea. We're going to go under the pretense that we are husband and wife foreshadowing i guess you know (laughs) um because norman never actually saw sam so they go there um because they want to search the cabin where marion was staying and so they get into cabin one and they notice that the shower curtain is missing and they actually find a piece of that budget that marion had flushed down the toilet so they know that she was there for Mm -hmm. sure um in the book they find the earring, the missing earring. Oh, yes, yes, which, yes. you know, we talked about earlier. So Marion's sister goes or says that she's going to go, like, take a nap. And so Sam is, like, I guess, like, the lookout at this point. And he, <laughs> he's the distraction. He goes and, like, talks to Norman while Marion's sister is going behind the building to go up to the house to talk to the mom because they think that the mom will know where Marion is. Um, and it's, like, this really awkward conversation about... <laughs> With Norman and Sam. And Sam is just, like, not cool about it. Yeah. Like, it's not like a, hey, buddy. It's like an interrogation. He is the worst decoy on the planet. The worst. (laughs) So, 
the same time, uh, Marion's sister ends up getting, she goes up to the room. She gets up to the upstairs where she thinks the mom's going to be. She finds all these women's clothes, makeup, and she then like scares herself in the mirror. And I was like, same, I totally would have done that myself. (laughs) (laughs) And, but she also sees sees, like a big indent of where someone would have been sleeping in the bed. Mm Mm-hmm. So Sam's again having this like weird conversation with Norman um, about wanting to like get away. And maybe that Norman, you know, did something to Marion to take the $40,000. And Norman's like, I don't even know what, what do you talk for? I don't even know about $40,000. I kill her with no money, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't even kill her for money. Just did she it. didn't even know about the money. Yeah. So Marion's sister then also, while she's at the house, she finds this like childlike room, which... That's one thing, I guess it's a better time than ever to talk about it. We don't really get the child persona in in the movie mm-hmm. as you do in the book. You yeah. kind of get like the three different personalities in the book. 100%. The they movie, even like specifically pinpoint it at the end too. Yeah. And in the movie, we really just get like adult Norman and then the mom. Yeah. And that's about it. So, but I think this was probably kind of just the little nod, nod to it, I guess. I, guess. I don't know. So anyways, uh... Norman ends up hitting Sam over the head with a vase because he sees right through (laughs) Sam's decoys, I guess. And he runs up to the house because he realizes what's going on. Um, And as he runs into the house, Mary's sister hides under the stairs and she goes down to the cellar, which you remember that we saw Norman running down the stairs with somebody Mm -hmm. earlier. So she goes down to the cellar and finds Mrs. Bates as a really gross skeleton. Like, the most gross. like the crypt keeper skeleton <laughs> it is awful and so while she's down there norman runs in in women's clothing what what is happening <laughs> and dun, 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 sam comes in to save the day dun, 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 dun. um so <laughs> he comes in saves the day um and norman gets arrested and the next thing we get is that he's in this like interrogation room, but we, I wish we would have actually gotten to see the interrogation in the movie. Mm. We don't really get it. We get like the cop talking about it. And same base. thing in the book. Yeah. Though. Like it's, I wish we Sam's recount of what happened. Yeah. Like I wish we could have seen, I think that would have made it even creepier. Oh, 100%. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because the, the cop comes out and starts talking about how, you know, Norman's not even there anymore. Like basically it's his mother. The mother personality has come out and she stayed there. Like yeah. Norman's not even there anymore. What I liked. And I think you kind of get it in both uh, book and movie is he basically says like, there was never a time where Norman was full Norman. Right. He was either half Norman, half uh, mom or full mom. Mm-hmm. Like he had lost who he was entirely. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And I think it's just the psychological stuff. I think per- split personalities is one of the creepiest things. Yeah. Like the movie split is fabulous and it is so creepy because of it. It's just, seen it. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Um, but yeah. So we also find out at this point that, Oh, I need to stop down. So we kind of, they finally figured out that Marion is dead. Like she's confirmed dead, mm-hmm. not coming back. Sam and the sister do not seem to care. There's zero <laughs> tears. There's zero nothing. They're just like sitting there very matter of factly. I think, uh, and I'll just like chalk it up to, they were probably already expecting her to be dead. Like, I think they kind of had already, you know. I needed some sort of tears. Well, very just nothing. Clearly they found solace in each other. They did, I guess. So. <laughs> 
So we find out that not only did Norman kill the PI and Marion, that back in the day, he actually killed his mom and her boyfriend. It was not a murder-suicide. He was the one that did it. Um, and then, like, this random... That, hold on. That piece yeah. or that part of the story in the series yeah. is so good. Is it good? Yes. That's, like, get, that's like the, the stuff that I need more of. Oh, like, yeah. I think that's what would have made it, like, way creepier. Yes. It's, it's, it's very good. I highly recommend it. So, in the movie, we get a psychologist. He's trying to explain split personalities and... Um, how his mother side of that personality got him to commit these crimes. I'm thinking that like, I mean, in our day and age in the true crime and all of these different movies that have come out, like it's not as like, like it's almost like a known thing kind mm-hmm. of, I think probably in the sixties, they were like, all right, we need to interject this psychologist here to try to explain what split yeah. personalities is That's type fair. thing. I thought it was kind of weird. I also like didn't appreciate the fact like in book and movie that their immediate thought was that he was a transvestite yeah i was like okay there's clearly more going on here than yeah. simply a man just wearing women's clothes right so to chalk it up as just that was like yeah. so just very 60s though well you yeah. know what i mean you have to take it for the time True. that it was um so the movie comes to the end it's very i was so bizarre right so the the movie ends with norman sitting in the room and he has this blanket and he puts it over his head and there's a voice over his mom of his mom and this super creepy iconic look that we have seen before of norman bates and then we randomly get a flash of the car getting pulled out of the swamp and mm-hmm. then it ends mm-hmm. i was like why did we add that last little flash of the car getting pulled out of the swamp like why didn't you just end the movie with that creepy look that's very good. That was it. I don't. I don't. I don't Too understand it. Too bad we it. can't ask Alfred Hitchcock. There, <laughs> <sighs> that was the end. Um, I agree. I think they probably could have shown the swamp scene before the police station scene. It was very strange. Like to say, "Hey, we pulled them out, and like here's the aftermath, and here's you know, because that yeah, I mean that scene with his face at the end is a beautiful way to end this. Yeah, movie, or I don't. Creepy. It was very bizarre to me. Yeah. And and the book really ends kind of very similarly. I think mm-hmm. the difference is he's actually in a cell. He's in, in mm-hmm. prison at that point. Um, and we obviously just get the dialogue. But the very last line mm-hmm. is kind of, she wouldn't harm a fly, um, which is just creepy all in and of itself. <laughs> I really need to see the second one. Really? Yeah. I just need to know, like, what happens. Like, he gets out, clearly. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that's how it ends. Yeah. Um, I think we touched on this before, but like the one b- major difference I think for Norman from book to movie is like he, like you mentioned, is an alcoholic or he yeah. definitely drinks heavily in the book, um, which I think the author was using that to kind of be his um, his excuse or his like reasoning for being like blacked mm. out during these yeah. mother moments, um, which I, again, I don't think it was necessarily needed in the movie to, to make a difference, but just wanted to kind yeah. of mention that as well. But I would say that the movie pretty much stayed true to the book. Oh yeah. 100%. You I know, would agree with in that. Most of it. Yeah. Um, book or movie for you. I think I know which way you're leaning. <laughs> so after I finished both, I picked movie mm-hmm. and then I thought more about it. <laughs> and this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier. If I read this book, having never watched the movie, having not known what mm-hmm. the plot was, I, I gave this a four star, even mm-hmm. having known the, the, what, yeah. what the book is about. But I think it's such a well done. You don't know what the heck is happening yeah. until it's revealed. And that to me is the perfect mystery yeah. thriller type book. Yeah. So I got to go with the book. Well, and when Alfred Hitchcock 
buys all the books up so you can't you can't figure you can't read the book before the movie <laughs> right, comes exactly. out um i gotta go with the movie just because yeah. it's alfred hitchcock i can't it's i it's an iconic movie it and is I, and i almost feel bad for the author i really do because i feel like this probably could have been if this movie didn't come out so closely to the book i think everyone would have known psycho for the book yeah before the movie. And I, I think there's a lot of people who didn't even realize this was a book. I will say on a rewatch of this movie, it, it it rang too cheesy for me. Yeah. And obviously I have to take that with a grain of salt, you know, because it's such an old movie. Um, but yeah, I think with that compounded with the fact that the book was actually very intriguing, if mm-hmm. you didn't know the story. Um, yeah, that's my my choice so we're, we're split there on this one it. i know almost like we have split personalities <sighs> wow <laughs> i'm really sad this is our last halloween episode i'm so it went sad by too, too. Fast. <laughs> blame the calendar for only uh, having four weeks and now October. we gotta go back to like shailene woodley movies <laughs> <laughs> wow okay uh and on that note um that's it for this one make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app if you're listening on apple podcasts go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review you can follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at the booby girls you can also email us at the at gmail.com and like we said earlier we are on patreon all you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the girls where you can sign up to get bonus content including our movie serials you can get a sticker for joining a shout out in a future episode and all that lovely stuff up next we are doing the highly requested by yeah. who by our friend kelly oh, okay <laughs> Why do you from all of our adoring fans? Well, I was just I, this is the first time hearing yeah. of it. So um, we're doing the Outsiders. Mm, yes. So which is a classic. I hope you read and watched this. No, before. I have zero. I'm sorry. Them. What school did you go to that did not require you? I to know read we this? read like Lord of the Flies. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. a weird school. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited for this one. Uh, I it's been years, mm-hmm. so I couldn't even tell you um, what it's about. But I know I know Pony Boys in it. There we go. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye. (laughs) 